0: Good morning, everybody. Good. I did turn that microphone on. That's good. I asked Miguel to sing that song this morning in preparation for our time together. And now I think that was a mistake. I'm pretty emotional right now, actually. All right. All right. Nicole, is that okay right here? Is that okay? Just to make sure that's presentable. Good morning, everybody. Um, My name is Jason Lau, and I'm one of the elders here at Solano. My wife, Melissa, and I have been here for, um, gosh, about 16 years now. Um, You know, let me just, Derek, I'm going to move downstairs. Um, I just need to get a feel for who's in this room right now, because it's just, it's um, just feeling super overwhelmed. There's a lot of people. Uh, that I haven't seen in a long time, so this is just uh, this is special for me. Um, I grew up across the street. Um, if you walk down here to the left out the door 100 feet, the house across the street. My um, dad's still there, although we might be in church right now. Um, I am a, I'm an educator in the West Contra Costa Unified School District. Um, I am a, currently a vice principal at uh, Betty Reed's Hoskin Middle, uh, which is in El Spronte. Um yeah, I just, I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, just, I'm just going to go off, off my notes for a second here. Um, as an educator, you know, the last few weeks has been um, really encouraging. You know, I've never um, really preached before, and a lot of people have been just encouraging me throughout the last few weeks. And um, one theme in particular, which I find uh, amusing, um, you know, people keep, people keep saying, oh, but you're a, uh, you're a teacher. And... Um, want you to bring that to the pulpit and share us with us what you got. And I just, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me because, um, folks, I just want to let you know, it's full transparency. I, I taught math. <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all want to know about bar models and number lines and proportional reasoning, if the parents here who don't like common core math want to talk to me, I'm your guy. But this is a little bit beyond what I'm comfortable with, what I've been trained to do. Um, so I would appreciate your grace. And I need y'all to just temper the expectations just a tad, <laughs> just a little bit. I would appreciate it. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you. I grew up, uh, grew up Cross Street. I actually went to this church um, when I was about 11. 11 to 16, and then I I moved over to uh, Richmond Church, First Baptist Church of Richmond. And and over there, I uh, was part of this amazing youth group. Um, Huge time of ministry for me, and uh, really just, I still have fond memories of that place. One of the things that we used to do, I'm going to go back up. Derek, I'm going back up. One of the things that we used to do, um, we used to go to this place called Boundary Lake, which is kind of the the northern side of, of Yosemite. And um, it's beautiful, it's one of my favorite places on earth, actually. And, um, and the Hoffmans now st- started going up, we went 10 years ago, now the Hoffmans go actually more than me, which makes me a little angry. But um, this is one of my favorite places on earth and I need to train myself physically so I can get back there. Uh, it's a little bit of a hike. Um, so we went, uh, this was years ago, 20 years ago, a couple friends and I went up just to visit again, we hadn't been there in a while. And um, one of my friends was like, hey, I need you to, uh, let's, just, let's just take some time apart and uh, each of us just find a place somewhere, be with the Lord for a couple hours, when we we'll back together, talk about it, don't talk about it, whatever. I knew exactly where I wanted to be. I wanted to be right here on this rock, right there. It's one of my favorite spots on earth, overlooks the lake, it's super serene. There are no humans at this place because nobody wants to go there, it's too far. So, I'm sitting on my rock, and I'm, sh- I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with my time. I, I figured I'd just randomly open up the Bible. I don't know if you guys have had those days where you're just like, I don't know what to read. The Lord's just going to lead me, and I'm going to open up the Bible. So, I thought about that, but I, you know, I kind of have a, a decent sense of where things are in the Bible, so it's not super random. So, I was a little bit confused about what I should do, so I just sat, and I thought, and I reflected. And be still. And know that I am God popped in my head over and over and over again. So I wanted to find it. Now, I was pretty sure it was in the Psalms. So I went right to the Psalms. and started flipping through some stuff. Anybody know how many Psalms are in the Bible? 150 is a lot. So I'm reading through them because I'm trying to find this one verse. So I have to read through all of them to find the context. And... Um, can't do it. However, Psalm 19, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, I'm just reading through Psalms trying to find this verse. And it was a great blessing to me to do that. Um, But I couldn't find it. Couldn't find the verse. Started second-guessing myself and wondering if it was even in the Bible. Um, But uh, I just gave up. I said, you know what, Lord, you have blessed me with so much of the Psalms in this last hour. I'm just going to sit with you. And as I sat on that rock, just sitting, this gentle breeze I felt on my body just flowing, and then a few seconds later, a stronger breeze, I began to feel or hear the pages of my Bible start to flip, 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 and then the wind The breeze stopped. It was about 20 seconds or so. And I just kept my eyes closed and just kind of focused and just sat with the Lord. And um, I opened my eyes, looking at my Bible. Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. And what was incredible that day, just such an experience, Um, just that small miracle that God was able to give me. Um, I was dealing with a lot of my life at that time. Um, And this trip was about to boundary. My friends knew it would just be a place for me to recharge and kind of just collect my thoughts. I needed to settle down my anxiety and calm my nerves. And I needed that reminder to be still that day. And God knew that. Um, So this psalm really has been a lot to me over the years. And I, I just really wanted to share it with you today. So before we read the text this morning... Um, I'd like to give you just a brief summary of the passage just to give you a little idea of what we're about to dive into. Um, Psalm 46, a psalmist is going to describe a number of calamities or disasters that we have that we're going to experience in this fallen, broken world. We're going to read about floods and earthquakes and nations at war. And in the midst of all of that, though our natural inclination is to live in fear, we're going to be reminded that God's presence is with us, that we are not to fear. And for all the troubles and difficulties, we're going to read about and notice that God's promises of safety and strength and help are in the center of the chaos. Before we move on, let's just, um, if you be so kind to pray with me for a second. God, thank you for gathering us this morning and and for your presence with us already. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I pray that you call my nerves. Help me to speak your truth this morning. And it is in your Son's name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. We're going to look at Psalm 46 in three sections. And I'd love it if you could think about those. As we read through them, verses one through three is gonna, um, we're gonna talk about God is our shelter. Verses four through seven, God is near. Verses eight through 11, God is in control. Those of you taking notes, go ahead. Okay. God is our refuge. This is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have done my own slides. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. I'm going to start with the first section of that, just verses 1 through 3. God is our shelter. The psalmist begins in verse 1 by writing about who God is when we experience uh, difficult times. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, God can and does provide physical protection. Uh, we see that in the story of David in the Bible when it seems like he's always Avoiding either King Saul, King Saul's army, his own son Absalom, God always provides a physical place of shelter to hide from David's enemies. Usually some rocks, caves in the wilderness. It's important to note that the writer is saying that God himself is our refuge. He provides, but he also is our refuge and strength. He can and does provide that physical protection, but he alone is our place of refuge a place of rest for us when we are tired and when we are weary. God is a very present help in trouble. I don't know how many of us have experienced dark days in our lives. Maybe we're experiencing some of those days this morning. God's promise to us is that he is right there with us in the thick of it. And the psalm isn't saying God is coming to rescue us. No, God's Already there. And there's a nearness we can feel in the midst of crisis. Often, often we're too busy engaging in the crisis and managing the crazy. But God is in fact there with us, for us. Verses 2 and 3, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The psalmist here is describing some of the uh, earth's most terrifying and horrific events. Natural disasters like floods and landslides and earthquakes. And I want you to think about um, just your life so far and and maybe some of the disasters you might have lived through. First thing that comes to my mind is um, I'm from the bay. uh, 1989 Loma Prieta. I was 12 at the time. Magnitude 6.9, the upper level of the 880 collapsed in Oakland. My dad was a half hour. He came home half an hour before that. That's the stretch of road he drives home. A section of the Bay Bridge fell. It was huge, a huge natural disaster. Recently, we just lived through a pandemic. Um, some of us loved, loved ones are, are battling debilitating illnesses, fighting to redeem broken relationships. We're experiencing disasters of all kinds, all the time. And I want to point out that God is not promising to remove disasters in our lives, at least not until heaven. He is promising that in the midst of the disasters, He is our shelter. Reading through this section of the passage um, reminded me of a few weeks ago when uh, software programmer Brett uh, talked about a conditional block used in programming. He's one of our elders. Um... Thanks, Brett, for that. I appreciate this. Um, So, no, if X is true, then you get this, else you get that. So, if God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble, that's verse one, then there is no reason to fear, verse two, or else we spend our lives living in fear, constantly worried about all the heartache and, and, and trouble that's bound to come our way. And I know, I know, a lot of us are going through it right now. You may be holding a lot, more than you think you can bear. And it's not uncommon for people who are in the midst, in the middle of disaster to feel fearful. And I just wanna encourage us to remember that, that God's promise is in the midst of it and be reminded that you have no reason to fear. This takes us to our first Salah, which comes after each of the three sections. And Salah's meaning is, generally unknown, but some translators have interpreted the word to mean an, um, like an interlude, um, like an intermission of sorts. So it might, even meaning, it might even mean just time to just sit, pause, and reflect. Um, so we're going to take that salon in a few seconds. I'm going to drink some water, um, get s- stay hydrated here. I want you guys to think about um, some questions as we take our first break. What crisis or adversity are you facing these days? And how are you? You don't need to share this with anyone. This is just quiet reflection. You don't have to share. How are you connecting with God as your refuge, strength, and present help? Okay. Just talked about God as our shelter, and we're going to go into the next section God is near. We am going to start with verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now, a few commentaries um, I read have said that the river they're talking about in verse 4 could be the image of an abundant river that flows through Jerusalem, a mighty river that God has provided for his city. Here's, here's another way of uh, thinking about it. All those natural disasters that we just talked about earlier could be a metaphor that describes devastating times for people. Our problems, trials, concerns in the world are like the mountains crashing down on Earth. Our difficulties in life are like the floodwaters or an erupting volcano that cannot be controlled. This river, then, is in stark contrast to the chaos that's being described before it. Verse three talked about the, remember the roaring and foaming waters? This river, metaphorically speaking, represents the peace of God flowing into our lives. When I was prepping for this message, I came across this one idea that really stuck with me about the river being referred to in the present tense. There is a river whose streams make glad. And the idea was that every single day, God's people experience an ongoing flow of life-giving blessings every day. It's like a steady stream of grace and keeps them going with sustaining peace, joy, and strength to conquer the most difficult moments in our lives. It's like a a glimpse of heaven. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved God will help her when morning dawns. In verse 2, the psalmist wrote, Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Contrast verse 2 with verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God's presence is in his church. God's presence is in us. All that instability that the psalmist has mentioned, all the turmoil that's been described, God is in the midst of all of that, providing stability. She shall not be moved. God is near. Remember verse 1, a very present help in trouble. Here's verse 5. God is in the midst of her. His very presence is our source of help that brings with it the promise of being able to live without fear. Verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The psalmist has up to this point uh, described the natural disasters that created an, an unstable, unsettling life for us, a life that I want to remind us God is in the midst of, right? Right? The writer has now moved on from the literal or metaphorical natural disasters, now sharing concerns about the crisis of our nations and our kingdoms. We're living in turmoil. I know we are. I I mentioned that the recent pandemic earlier. I know we're also dealing with war and human trafficking and hunger. And as humans, we've, we've kind of always lived in turmoil. But here, the strength of the nations and kingdoms stumble. And the power of God is made manifest. Once again, in the middle of all the chaos, God is there. And his simple utterance melts the earth. This takes us to uh, the chorus in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. This chorus is repeated. This chorus is repeated at the end of um, very end of the chapter in verse 11 as well. The Lord of Hosts, or in Hebrew Yahweh Sabaoth, describes God as the Lord of all heaven and earth, and it is this God, our God, that is with us. We are His people, and it's interesting that the psalmist wrote the next line about um, the God of Jacob. Probably could have easily written, "The Lord of Hosts is with us. He is our fortress." Very intentional, I feel like. The God of Jacob could be a reminder that yes, God is in the, the Lord of heaven and earth, but he is also the God of individuals. You can read about Jacob in Genesis. I'm not gonna get into all the things he did wrong. Um, in spite of Jacob's character flaws, God showed him mercy and gave him grace. And this seemed like the psalmist was personalizing who God is to each of us. We can all have a personal relationship with God, even Jacob, even me, even you, even the people in our communities, and even the people in our communities who don't yet know God. This takes us to our, our second Salah, another intermission. It might be a good time to think about a few things. How can you draw on God's stability in your life? And what is keeping us from experiencing the nearness of God throughout our day? All right. Last section. Put on your seat belts, everybody. We're gonna land this. God is in control. Start with verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Up until this point, the psalmist has been describing God as our our protector, um, our refuge, our strength. And there's certainly a a buildup of sorts as we start seeing glimpses of God's power and God's help in the midst of our trials, um, providing stability when there's instability all around us. And now the psalmist is transitioning from the characteristics of God to what he's capable of. Come and behold the works of the Lord I was trying not to be the guy that uses another movie illustration. I was trying not to. I know we've done this in the last few weeks and so forth, but um, this particular illustration popped in my head and I just couldn't get rid of it, so here we go. Um, It's one of my favorite movies also, so that helped. So uh, there's this movie Tombstone, and it's one of my favorite westerns. Wyatt Earp and his friends are being ambushed, actually, um, by Curly Bill and the Cowboys down by the river. And Wyatt and and friends quickly realize they're they're in a world of trouble, actually, in a world of hurt. They're caught in the middle of this uh, intense crossfire, and they're wondering if they're going to make it through. Wyatt suddenly jumps up, abandons his friends, and with no backup, manages to walk into the middle of the river where there's absolutely no cover, no shelter, no protection, nowhere to hide. He somehow avoids getting hit by all the gunfire from from all the direction, basically kills everybody, except a few. A few of the cowboys survive, they quickly retreat from the riverbed, and when they regroup, Wyatt's friends are in a state of awe and shock as to what they had just witnessed. You know, one of them says, you ever seen anything like that before? And the other guy says, I I ain't never heard of anything like that. Another one of his friends, where is he? Down by the creek, walking on water. Val Kilmer at his best. (laughs) Wyatt's friends could not comprehend what they had just observed. Their minds were blown. The psalmist is gathering any and all all of us to behold what God is doing. There's there's certainly an an aspect of um, excitement for sure, but there's also this sense of awe as we witness God's power. Bringing desolations on the earth, ceasing all wars, shattering weapons, setting things on fire, God is bringing utter destruction to his enemies in a way that is final and complete. And now we come to the public service announcement from God, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Over the years as I reread this chapter in Psalms, I began to realize that I may have misunderstood the meaning of this text. Remember my story earlier, I was sitting on that rock Still, small voice of God kept telling me, be still, know that I am God. I needed that at that time. And it was an important message to me to hear, but it's not the context of this passage. The verse was such a blessing to me at that moment, but it was out of context. I remember this um, one time in class, um, I was getting increasingly agitated, never happens. and I, and I felt like I lost the class. It was chaos. It was the worst nightmare as a teacher. And I was, about to, I was losing my mind. I was on the brink of an explosion. Um, and I think the kids could pick up on that. They're pretty intuitive. One of my students says to me, I'll never forget this, Mr. Lau, it's not that serious. <laughs> Take like a minute. Come back to us when you've calmed down a little bit. She was 12. Just want (laughs) to... And it was one of those moments when I was reminded to be still and gather my thoughts before coming back to the chaos. Again, this verse is not talking about that. I specifically um, asked Miguel... Thank you, Miguel, to lead uh, us in Psalm 46 today because it was, it's one of my favorite songs. It's so beautiful. Um, and while the song sounds really pretty, the content is pretty brutal. Um, here's verse three of that song. Come, let us see what the Lord has done, the ruin he brings to the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He shatters the bow and the spear." And again, the melody is so pretty, it's so nice. But these are not pleasant things that are happening. Go re re verses eight and nine, it's chaos. This melody is not what you think of as much as I love the song. And then you get to the bridge. Be still and know that I am God. first few times you hear it, there's one vocal. It's usually soft, almost a whisper. It's very melodic. It's contemplative. It's soothing. It's usually violet. Miguel doesn't let me sing that line (laughs) because it's violet. And you guys are following the melody, so he's just violet. Violet got a handle. Okay. Okay, Miguel. And it makes you want to close your eyes and rest with God's arms around you. And then we repeat the line. And it crescendos a little bit. And it gets a little louder. And then we bring in the two-part harmony and the instruments ramp it up up again. Be still and know that I am God. Miguel lets me sing that part. Because you guys are still following Violet. And then we bring in the third harmony part. And it climaxes. Be still and know that I am God. And the band is fully engaged. And it's like the climax of this song. And everybody's singing just a little bit more loudly. And it's really beautiful. Really pretty. And that's a little bit closer to what this text is trying to convey, at least with regards to volume. This verse is not an encouragement to cease everything that you're doing, to sit on a rock and stare out into the ocean or a lake. If we're reading this correctly, and in the context of everything that we've talked about today, God isn't addressing a single person. He's making sure everybody understands who he is. Hey, hey, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And there's an exclamation point there. How did I miss that when I read that passage on that rock? We've been talking about mountains crashing into the sea and storms raging through the earth and uncontrollable raging floods and never-ending wars. Chaos is all around us in the midst of all that. You think God is still saying in a still, small voice, be still. This isn't an all right, everybody, just calm down. Everybody just needs to calm down moment. And it's also not permission to be passive about all the terrible things that are happening around us. This is a moment where God is saying, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, church. I hope that's okay. Enough. Stop this madness. Stop the fighting. Do you know who I am? Let me remind you, lest you forget, I am God. Don't fear. Trust me. I got this. no matter what the world ultimately throws at us. Give me a second here. Got a little distracted. No matter the pain we endure, when the world is crumbling around us, no matter what happens, God will be exalted and we will be safe. God's got this. I'm going to do a little something with you guys today, and it's not going to be long. We're not going to dive into into each other's lives real quick, but I just want you to turn to a neighbor real quick. Just turn to a neighbor. Just look at them for a second. Just say neighbor. Go ahead. Say neighbor. God's got this. Thank you. I want you to turn to somebody else now. Somebody different. Again, we're not diving. We're not praying together. It's not awkward. Just turn to somebody. Say neighbor. God's got this. God's got this. Church, we need to cling to God when we're in the midst of difficulty and certainty. We don't know what challenges in life our lives will bring. We don't know what challenges. There's only so much we can prepare and so much we can plan for. We have to trust that our God in heaven knows what's best for our lives and is in control even when our lives are crumbling around us. His very presence in our lives means that we do not need to fear the chaos around us. I know, I know we're all dealing with a lot. We're dealing with sickness. We're dealing with physical and emotional pain. We have work stresses and and family stresses and relational stresses of all kinds. We're anxious. We're fearful. We worry. We stress. We cry. I'm here to tell you today, God's got this, and it's not in a God's got this, see you next week kind of way. God alone can handle and carry us through anything we're dealing with. God raised Jesus from the dead. God's got this. God can also use his church to help us with the burdens that we carry. Let's, let's be a church where we are following up with and supporting each other throughout the week. Let's be that church. You know, for a long time, um, Mel and I were deep, deep in our struggle and battle with infertility. And during that time, we experienced all the pain, all the hurt we thought we were able to handle. Often cried out to God and wondered why we felt like the world was crumbling around us. We experienced multiple miscarriages and seasons where we felt so, so alone. But there were moments when I remembered and still remember and felt God's protection over us providing the shelter that we needed. And the times we needed him the most, our darkest moments, we experienced a nearness with God, reminding us that he was there right next to us in full control of our lives. I also remember friends of ours, many in this room, one of them in particular, who kept reminding us that God's got this. We need to do that for each other. We need that reminder. Why are we in community if we're not constantly reminding each other of who God is in our lives? In the end, God triumphs. Wars will cease because of him. He will be exalted among the nations and in the earth. Let's continue to remind each other who God is. We're all dealing with something. We're all dealing with crazy. When you leave here today and you you talk to the folks on your way out to grab your donuts and your coffee, and maybe you might start sharing a little bit about your day. Maybe your week. maybe Maybe a month. I want you to be sensitive to what people are saying to you and sharing with you because you might find yourself in a situation where you need to remind them that God's got this. Pray with me, please. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the kind of God that dwells in the middle of our lives. Thank you not only for providing shelter for us in times of crisis, but also being our shelter. Thank you for being near to us, never far away, always there, always ready, always moving. Thank you for being in control of our lives. Who else better? to trust. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.